Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We're part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Billion Dollar Moves, hosted by Sarah Chen Spellings. Join venture capitalist and strategist Sarah Chen Spellings as she asks the hard questions and learns through the triumphs, failures, and hard lessons of the creme de la creme so you too can make billion-dollar moves in venture, in business, and life. I recently enjoyed listening to Sarah share a discussion on the ethics of AI, finding inspiration, and executing that founder's vision while finding purpose along the way, even post-exit, with the global pioneer of emotional AI, Rana L. Kalubi. Listen to Billion Dollar Moves wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. This is Sanira Madani, and welcome to CEO School. I am so excited for today's episode for so many different reasons. One, it is the new year, and I know this episode is probably going to air in February, but it is It's January right now in studio when we're recording, so this is actually our first official studio recording day of the year, and it's my favorite place to be is at Hi Hello Lab Studio in Orlando where I get to record this amazing podcast with our team, and so everyone's here. We're just so pumped to all be together to start recording this year's amazing guests and shows, and we're not going to disappoint you. Today's guest I'm so pumped for, especially at the start of the new year, it's going to be so much about mindset and resiliency and all the things that we need as entrepreneurs to succeed this year. And with that, I'm so excited to welcome a dear friend, Dr. Nita Bushin, who is a mother, wife, entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, and world-renowned expert performance coach. She's co-founded Global Grit Institute and Dharma Coaching Institute, and she's helped thousands of changemakers, high achievers, and burnt-out professionals pivot into careers they love and create lives where they thrive. She was actually a cosmetic dentist um, and then became an acclaimed transformational speaker, emotional health advocate, and a best-selling author. And she has a new book that launched that I literally am so excited to get my hands into. That's called That Sucked, Now What? And so we're going to be talking about the book and her life experience of overcoming so much adversity, um, including being orphaned at a young age, surviving an abusive marriage with domestic violence and tons of loss. And she is literally just so brave, so resilient, and she's going to teach us our ways of how she's overcome all of that suck and turned it into this beautiful empire that she has. And she's helping, you know, 
thousands of female entrepreneurs along the way, also through her podcast, The Brave Table. So Nita, Dr. Nita, welcome to CEO School. Wow, Sanira. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that intro. Woo. That was a lot. I'm so excited to have you. Just even us like conversing five minutes before the show, I'm like, I just want all your vulnerability. Like this episode, I know I'm going to gain so much of it today. I'm going through a lot of transition in my life currently. Mm. And transition can feel sucky, even yeah. if it's good, even if it's what you choose. Um, and so I'm excited to hear about that sucked. Now what? Uh, so let's dive into it. If you could just like tell us a little bit about your background, take us there, and then what you know. Let's deep dive into the book and your expertise. Yeah. Wow. So I think that you know my biggest transition and sucky moment that I had to you know come to terms with, and that really has brought me to kind of connecting the dots in all stages of my life. It started out when I was, I felt like I was at the top and the pinnacle of what I called success at the end of my 20s. I had, I was one of the first people to, you know, graduate my dental school class and one of the only uh, females, actually few females in my class that would uh, then go into starting her own practice. And so that became the seven-figure business. And I thought it was like, all right, I'm not even 30. I have all of these accolades. I've worked really hard, et cetera. And I just remember that it, I wasn't, that there was something off. There was something off. And I kept doing, I kept achieving, I kept all of these things. Yet internally, my life was in shambles. I had gotten married. A year and a half before, and I was—I felt like the biggest fraud. I felt like the biggest lie. And you know this, Sonera. In our cultural backgrounds, divorce is definitely not something that is um, is celebrated. And so, I actually, December thirty first, twenty eleven, I had to make the hard decision not only to just see my reality and where I was, but I was in a really dark place. I had to make a decision overnight that I would leave this marriage, that it would be the last time uh, I would be struck in the face, and that I would face my demons and my fears. And that was letting everybody know that this was my reality, that it wasn't picture perfect, that I was living this lie. And I think first and foremost that I thought I was going to let everyone down, especially the 10 team members that I had in my you know, amazing dental office. But truthfully, I was emotionally a wreck. Uh, you know, I was living in this fear that what would the world think of me? Because there was so much to unpack just even in that statement. Uh, and truthfully, I hadn't really worked through the tremendous loss that I had faced uh, pretty much a decade earlier. And, and that was in my adolescence and as a teenager, uh, from 16 to 19, I lost my mom, uh, my brother, and my dad to all different medical uh, diseases. And so I started my 20s with this chip on my shoulder, uh, which I talk about in the book, where you know, anytime somebody's been through some sort of adversary, you're like trying to prove to the world. And I felt like I needed to prove to the world that I belonged, that 
I didn't need to be pitied because I had all this loss. And by the way, I was also raising a young, my youngest brother who was five years younger than me. So it was a lot of pressure until I had no place to put all of those repressed emotions and feelings. And it just came bursting out at the seams so much so that December or January 1st, 2012 was, was like a ton of bricks just alleviated my shoulders because that point was the day that I said, all right, this is me living life on my own terms. And it charted this whole new path for seven years that I would just release everything. And I mean, everything, real estate investments, uh, my condo, you know, another condo that I grew up in and even selling my, my dental practice. Uh, to really live a life that was on my terms and to honestly even focus on healing because I think so much of it is we're in this go, go, go mode and we don't stop until there is something that, you know, that, that causes us to make that full transition where we have to start over again fully. Wow. I mean, I have just goosebumps right now just listening to that story. That's a lot of loss and heartache. And I don't even have words to – I'm sorry that you went through that. I mean, what heartache and – I mean, I've just lost a parent at a very adult age, and I'm still a hot mess from that, just from losing one parent. Yeah. And that loss has yeah. been so hard for me. I can't imagine being in a world where you lose your whole family back-to-back – being in a marriage that is abusive and putting a face on to like, you know, be at your dental practice because you are, you have a team that you, you're supporting and just then making that decision to say, hey, I'm going to turn everything off and go focus on you. That's so brave. And I applaud you for making that decision because that's a really tough thing to do in such a low moment in your life. Uh, and I'm honestly just so grateful that it's worked out well for you and that, you know, you've you've overcome that and you're going to help so many others overcome that. How did you overcome that? So what happened next in your story um, yeah. deciding to, like, you know, completely do this reset? Yeah. And, and you know, I think, Sunira, when we're when we're faced with and I'm so sorry about your parent. Um, that's it's just I think it's hard at any age for loss and I think that even in the season of life that we are in we are going to have you know elderly aging parents and that's just kind of the season of life right and we still have our ambitions we still have our children and and that's kind of where my subtitle how to embrace the joy in chaos and find magic in the mess I mean a lot of my early upbringing was chaotic I mean my both my parents had cancer not at the same time um, but because I was so exposed to a lot of that, those chaotic environments, I grew up with a ton of hustle mentality. I mean, there were times in my adolescence, I, I had to work three jobs, you know, just to bring things to the table. My dad was in, you know, deep depression. And so there was a lot of those early aspects that really added to my resiliency, uh, which I do talk about in the book. It's a you know, four-part process of uh, how to actually build your bounce factor. But, you know, fast forward into kind of the early years of trying to really pick up my pieces of my life. And, and you kind of hit it on the nail. Not very many people uh, acknowledge that. 
Um, but yeah, having to go through a lot of loss and take care of 10 people in your practice. And one of the things I had to do in my own leadership was for such a long time, because I was younger, I wasn't even 30. Most of my team members were probably a decade older than me. I was so afraid of that imposter showing up that I did not want to let anybody in to my world of chaos. But I remember vividly, there was a time where I just, I had packed all of my things that I took from my five-story home and my fancy SUV. And I was in the, you know, the back of the building that I owned, you know, it was just all of these things. But I was so afraid to tell people that, hey, I don't, I, I, I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight because I was so, I was so in my head of this thing that we're taught when we're younger, what would people think? And so much wow. so that I had to then go first. And I remember there were patients all in the waiting room. People were in chairs, suction, everything. I mean, it was it was hysterical now that I look back. But I remember I couldn't do it anymore. I took, I like stood up out of my seat, brought everybody into, you know, we had a little lunchroom back then. And I said, hey, listen, I am going through the deepest, darkest days of my life and I'm going to need support from you. I don't know. There is going to be uncertainty. I don't know if I'm going to keep this open, but I am going to need full support because this is what's happening. I'm going through a divorce right now. And as soon as I let everybody in, it just changed. Everything shifted overnight. People took, you know, the leadership just started shifting. They're like, I got you, Dr. Nita, you do you, you do whatever you need. So, I mean, it allowed me to start diving into all different forms of healing, right? That started, it, it fully shifted the trajectory because I started taking more time off, yet our revenue in our, in our tunnel business kept growing and growing 20%, 30%, you know, we, we extended it. I mean, it was just, it was massive, but what it allowed me to do was I needed to recreate a whole foundation for myself, a whole community for myself, because I had left uh, a lot of the things that I knew. And I think many times for anybody going through transition, we 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 start to create our own reality. And in doing so, we have to say yes to the things we would probably normally say no to. So I said yes to doing improv. I mean, so random. It came like just a girlfriend's like Nita. Like you need to just get out and like just start to have fun again. And I'm like, there's no way, you know, and 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 it was the greatest thing because guess what? It it led me to then do a few stand-up, uh, stand-up comedy classes. Not that I was gonna ever do stand-up, but just to evoke the sense of play. And I talk about it in the book how you know, sometimes we're just so caught up in the suck of our mess that it keeps us stuck in our suck instead of Oof. taking those baby steps. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh my God. I have so much right here. I love that you shared that. Um, I think the first big takeaway for me here is that, you know, we all believe that we're so alone in whatever we're going through. And that moment that you just allowed your team to just to share, like, this is what I'm going through. Everybody stepped up. Like you weren't you weren't alone. Even though you thought you were alone, you weren't alone. And just asking for help is something that we as women, I see this time and time over again. Uh, mothers, entrepreneurs, wives, like every title ever, but we feel like we have to take every single thing on for ourselves and we're not allowed to ask for help. And when we do ask for help, we are we are given help and there's nothing wrong in asking for help. Yet we have this like 
such setback in what are people going to think if I ask for help or I'm overburdening somebody. Like there's this huge narrative that we play out just to raise our hands to say, hey, I'm going to need a little help right now because everybody needs help, right? Everybody needs help. And when you ask for it, everybody was there and it actually turned out so much better. Your business actually flourished and grew and you got to take that time to heal that you needed. Oh, yes. And it it even started, like I started four different enterprises as a result of it. I started you know, a nonprofit. I started to dabble in angel investing, which took me to then the Bay Area and spending more time with VCs. And, you know, people always ask, how the heck did you end up in, you know, in the Bay Area with startup founders? And I said, well, because I repeatedly said yes to new things. I repeatedly became the smallest fish in the room because of course, it was it was cathartic because I was also doing my own healing. It was also getting me out of the shell that I was so accustomed to in medicine and dentistry to see, hey, there's there's a whole world out here outside of medicine. And slowly and steadily, I started to learn from other people. And I was so focused on leadership because I wanted to know how I could still uh, keep that dental practice while doing other things, which then led me to speaking at Google when, you know, when I wasn't even thinking that I was going to be the speaker uh, and sharing tips. And so that, you know, these small incremental steps of what I say, yes, and and trusting your team, which means then to start letting go. I mean, there was a time I was only there twice a month at this point, and we were still doing the same numbers. And so it was it was fascinating, but I think also that authenticity of ourselves when we feel like we cannot let the world in. And that's how we can actually begin to scale. And in, you know, in my, uh, in my, in that time of my life, I was so ready to then say, all right, I need to close a chapter of my life. And that's when I realized, I said, I'm spending way more time on the West Coast and I'm spending way more time now telling people how to spend less time in their businesses uh, as professionals. You know, First, it started doctors and lawyers and chiropractors, et cetera. But then my love for diving into and really learning from people who were creating businesses out of nothing and then getting full funding for it. And what they didn't have was that emotional capacity. And that is step number two of this bounce factor framework of your building that emotional capacity to weather some of the tough storms that any business goes through just because we have human experiences in our life that may catch us off guard. If you're anything like me, your 2023 is probably off to a very busy start. As a leader, aligning your teams on a shared mission and goal for the year can be challenging. But with HubSpot CRM, you can keep your marketing, sales, operations, and service teams in sync on one powerful platform that grows with your business and leaves your competition in the dust. Capture leads, boost sales, and engage customers all from one platform. Tools like a unified contact record, help desk automation, and customizable reporting make it easy to unite your team around a single source of truth. This means you can spend less time managing your software and more time connecting with your customers. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. 
How do you build that? You know, I wrote down here audacious resilience, right? That's something that you talk about in your book. Like, how do you kind of prepare yourself as an entrepreneur? I think, you know, here at CEO School, we talk a lot about scale, right? And a huge part of scale is actually letting go, right? It's us getting out of our day-to-day, not being in the business, all the tacticality of it. But I love that you talk about in your, like, in the framework, it specifically has so much to do with your emotional resiliency. So if you could, what are, like, how do we build that emotional resiliency? Because the life of an entrepreneur is a fucking roller coaster, right? It is literally all day long. It's like you're you're getting punched in the face and then you still have to show up. And then it's like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows all in a single day. Like that is what like a Monday could look like and a Tuesday could look like. And so for me, I would say like in my experience, I didn't have any practices that allowed me to have any sort of like resiliency besides the fact that I just had to like keep getting through it. And then you get better at embracing what comes and then you do it all over again. And so for me, I just kind of got used to it. And I think that's what built my resiliency was probably experience. But we have lots of new entrepreneurs, right, that are also that are here. And like plain fact and simple, you are going to go through a tough times. There is no perfect journey. There is no such thing as overnight success. There is no such thing. Like every journey looks like this in its own capacity. So for those entrepreneurs, so those women, what do you have to say to help them build that audacious resiliency? So absolutely. I mean, I think that for any new entrepreneur, even seasoned entrepreneur, I mean, at this point, you you know, in, in one of my businesses, Global Grid Institute, we, we service the mental health and the emotional health of entrepreneurs, you know, and CEOs. And I think that the biggest thing that we forget is that we're human. When we're building a business, we think that our personal life and our professional life need to be so completely different and you know take into account just my own journey and story and what i've shared the the soonest i allowed both of those realities to mix because that was an identity that i had and that i had to let people in everything shifted there was no i have to be more masculine in this role and act like a man and lead like a man. Because when I was doing that, I was so, I I wasn't able to allow myself to connect with people that who were working with me and who were really needing that support from my vulnerability. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when I talked about your emotional capacity as one of the pillars of building your, your bounce factor. And the reason why I call it your bounce factor is because in Latin, when we talk about resilience, we're not just talking about mental toughness. The actual root of the word means to bounce. Resilier means to bounce. So that means you can actually, you have the agility, you have the flexibility. And in business, we are going to have these tough times and we're going to try different things that sometimes won't work, that will fail and it might flop. But as they say, you know, these are all data points to get you to the next thing that you're going to test. And so why not then the, the biggest thing that we do, especially as female entrepreneurs, is we judge our own thoughts. We judge our emotions. And it's not just the thoughts that we're thinking of, but it's really what we're feeling. Because if we want to scale and you know scale our company and get those numbers, well, how are we going to feel when we actually get there? How do we want our team to feel when we actually get there? Do we want to feel burnt out or do we want to feel energized? And I think that is the biggest thing that we 
take for granted. And also when something does not go our way or as planned, how does that make us feel? Do we feel defeated? Do we feel hopeless? What do we do as a result of that? Do we still bury? Do we shove it under a rug? Where are those patterns coming from, even in our own leadership? And to actually take note and the, 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 you know, the first big part of this is to kind of build that radical self-awareness. And, and I'm sure you talk about this so much, but it can even look like, well, what do I need right now today? What is, what is actually going to make me feel nourished so that I can take on all of these different tasks? And if I'm having a rough mental health day or rough day, am I just going to charge forth through it? Or am I going to actually be compassionate for myself and say, you know what? Yeah, this, even just acknowledging it will shift your energy of what you're actually calling in. Um, And so that's that second piece. But the third big piece is, are you actually inviting good stress into your life? What is your- Okay. What is your- Pause right now. I'm going to pause you because you just said the word stress and you said the (laughs) word good together and I would never put those things together. Is there anything, is there there a such thing as good stress? What is good stress, Dr. Nita? Because- Yes. I don't know this formula and I need it right now because okay, okay. all the stress that I have is pretty fucking stressful. I know. Every time I say that, people are like, wait, no, I don't want that. Uh, so hear me out for a second. Okay. When we are doing something completely new, we're building something, we're building our team, it is going mm. to take a lot of that energy out of us and call it grit, call it tenacity, call it the shit sometimes we don't want to do. And And like you just said, you said you learned at every step of the way and through your experience, you got better at it. Yeah. So when I used to look at every deal that would come through, whether or not I was going to add you know, certain capital to that project or not, I would look at, well, what was their, what was their risk profile? What were they actually, and how, how were they as a human, right? How many failures did they have in the past? I mean, you all have probably heard this before, right? But that is a seasoned entrepreneur in many ways, your ability to bring about uh, good stress. And physically it can look like the simplest uh, example of this could look like taking a cold shower. Who the heck likes to take a cold shower? Nobody. But what are some of those benefits to that, right? We know longevity, inflammation, reduction, uh, you sleep better, et cetera. Do we want to do that? No. None none of us want to jump into an ice bath, right? So that's one example. But what about leaning into hard conversations, Many times when I talk to CEOs, they're like, "Uh, I'll have somebody else do that. Or that's like the hardest thing to lay somebody off, right? But what if we built that muscle and started exposing ourselves to the things that we may not be the best at, but it grows so that when we do have to have a hard conversation, we're not ignoring it like the plague. Okay. I get it now. And I think something else that when you said the word good stress, now that I'm like understanding your variation of it, like- you know, entrepreneurship is hard and you have to go through some of the, like, you have to go through it, right? Like there are things that you just have to go through, but when you're passionate about it, like you're willing to endure that level of, like, it's not going to happen overnight. So even the level of stress that comes with building a business, like it might be stressful in that moment. But when I look back, I'm like, man, that was good stress. 
right? Because like those are good problems to have as well, right? To like be having the opportunity to build something and putting your blood, sweat and equity and time and um, like into into that was stressful. However, you know, overall it was, it, you know, it worked out well. So it was, it was good. So I, I, I like this concept of good stress and it's an amazing way to think about the suck. Lastly, uh, before we close out, you know, something that you said earlier is, you know, suck is going to happen, right? And it's us getting stuck in that suck. Mm -hmm. And honestly, for me, so Sal and I have this, um, like this trick, I guess, or like this thing that we do when there's something super, super shitty, we allow ourselves for 24 hours to like feel the suck. Because if you don't feel it, then you never like actually ever go through it. So I, it frustrates me when people are like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like, it's okay not to be fine. Acknowledge that it's not fine. I don't want anybody to tell me it's going to be okay. Be positive. Like all the bullshit, like embrace that suck. But we give ourselves like a time frame, and we're like, we got to feel it. This was super shitty. And sometimes it's like, it's like you didn't get in a part, like a small example is like you work so hard for nine months on getting a contract or like a client. Um, and it, you know, at the, at the, you know, they chose another vendor, whatever it is, something super simple like that. But you spent like a year chasing this, this thing and you didn't end up getting that outcome. And, you know, give yourself that 24 hours to be like, that was really shitty. We just spent a year of time and resources, et cetera, et cetera. Or you didn't get whatever, whatever the suck is, um, giving yourself that appropriate amount of time to feel super shitty, have that, you know, however you blow off your steam and have that, you know, that suck. And then it's like, okay, acknowledging that that sucked. We got through that suck. And now we have to like, you know, bounce, like resilient, like we got to bounce back and we're going to go find the next one. And so we have this rule, we call it like our 24 hour, like 24 hour suck. And uh, not everything is 24 hours, but the appropriate amount of time to go through your suck because it is important to feel that suck. Oh my gosh. What are your thoughts there? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. I have, you know, two different uh, emotional release practices here in the world. You know, and and people can use the 24 hours I love because sometimes it does really suck. And the worst thing that you could do as a founder is bypass those emotions because they are valid and they're real. And it did fucking suck that you didn't get that contract or the thing that you worked on didn't go yeah. as planned. And and so I love that you're allowing yourself. I usually, in one of the practices, especially if it's through the day, you're like, if you only have the 15 minutes or even the two minutes, but there's a whole body process of like, you know, so you're not ruminating in it for that day, but you're allowing yourself to feel it and feel it fully. Like, in your body. Sometimes we can feel it in our gut where, you know, our gut is feeling really off or our where we get tension headaches or we're, you know, we're, 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 we're clenching our jaw because we're so upset and angry. But those feelings are valid and it reminds us that we're human and that we really did care about that thing. So absolutely. But then also let's now then move forward and what's that now what? And sometimes it takes a little bit longer to get to that now what and to give yourself that grace. Uh, I mean, there's so many other practices that I use in terms of releasing the anger, releasing the rage, because many times we're grown up thinking that 
that wasn't a safe emotion to express, whether it was yeah. in our family or our upbringing. So we don't, ex- you know, we don't actually experience it, but then guess who feels it? Oh, your team members. Why? Because you're passing on the resentment that you're holding in and you're suppressing in. And so you have that passive aggressiveness, right? And many times it's because, well, we haven't really stated how that made us feel, that I'm actually feeling really shitty right now, or I'm actually feeling really sad or really defeated or really stressed out or really overwhelmed. Many times when we actually can share that piece, that's already releasing some of that steam. It's kind of like taking a pressure cooker and, you know, taking the top off to just let a little bit of that release out in whatever way. And of course, there's so many more of those tips inside of the book as well. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to read That Sucked, Now What? Uh, Because, you know, life sucks. And it's amazing at the same time, but we've got to embrace that suck and, you know, find that joy. And I think that this book is going to resonate with so many readers. I know I'm really excited about the tips that you've already shared. Where can we find it? How can we support you? And where do we get our copies? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, go ahead. And I have a super special uh, bonus for all of the listeners. Oh, awesome. Thank you. At CEO School. So when you go to thatsuckednowwhat.com and grab a copy, you also get this digital 44 page guide. We've already brought it to so many different organizations and people are doing it with their teams. And it actually goes through some of the exercises, kind of like how to build your bounce factor, et cetera, how to actually have your personal observation check-in so that you're not ruminating and holding things in. But it's also really great to see the bounce factor in some of your other team members so that you actually know, um, you know, how to relate to one another, especially going through some of those tough moments that we're inevitably going to go through. And I think it just builds more of that bond um, with your team. So at thatsuckednowwhat.com, and you'll get that for free when you order the book. Amazing. We'll be linking everything in the show notes. And I know I follow you on Instagram. We've been Instagram friends uh, for so long, and I love following your journey. So you could follow uh, Dr. Nitha at Nitha Bouchon, uh, and we'll link that also in our show notes. Dr. Nitha, thank you so much for such a wonderful episode today. I love the reminder just kicking off this year to embrace what's ahead because it's going to come and to find our bounce back. And that's truly what life is about. It's not about falling down. It's about how you get up. So thank you so much for being here today at CEO School. And to all our listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, definitely leave us a review. This is how we grow the show. Uh, Drop us a review, screenshot it, share it on Instagram, tell your friends about CEO School, and we'll be sending out swag to our amazing, amazing listeners. So tag me, tag CEO School, and our teams will be reaching out. We love all of you. I hope this year is our best year yet. I will see you next week at CEO School. Hey, everyone. It's Sanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We're part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Billion Dollar Moves, hosted by Sarah Chen Spellings. Join venture capitalist and strategist Sarah Chen Spellings as she asks the hard questions and learns through the triumphs, failures, and hard lessons of the creme de la creme so you too can make billion dollar moves in venture, in business, and life. I recently enjoyed listening to Sarah share a discussion on the ethics of AI, 
finding inspiration, and executing that founder's vision while finding purpose along the way. Even post-exit with the global pioneer of emotional AI, Rana L. Kalubi. Listen to Billion Dollar Moves wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.